It was our first Christmas as a married couple. And I really wanted it to be special for my new wife, Jenny. Wife. I'd longed for this time to, to have a wife in my life, and I suddenly did. I loved her so much. I noticed that a machine she used fairly regularly was kind of worn. And I got an idea. I started saving to buy this gift. In the meantime, we were buying gifts for our extended family, my new, greatly broadened family, a brand new nephew, second cousins and uncles and aunts. She didn't want to leave anybody out. She wanted to buy gifts for everybody. Challenge for a young couple in the midst of a new ministry and adjusting to being married. But the thing I discovered about my new wife is that she wanted hints about what I was buying for her for Christmas. And so I got creative. And I'll tell you what, I was really proud and more delighted that she didn't even get close to guessing what I was getting for her. And then, one fateful day, about a week before Christmas, we were shopping, still trying to get through our list. And I can remember it as vividly as if it was yesterday. We were riding down the escalator in a department store, and she said, come on, give me another hint. And I did something that I have never done. I had never done before that or since. I said, I'm not going to tell you that I just got you a new sewing machine for Christmas. <laughs> well, I can remember standing at the bottom of the escalator in stunned silence. My face bright red to match all the Christmas trimmings in the store. In disbelief that I just blurted out my secret, eliminating the surprise and the joy of watching her open that mysterious gift on Christmas. Now, whether or not you have a secret, you're caught up in the season, aren't you? In spite of last year's, uh, last week's uh, dismissal of your service, or not having a service, aren't you? If you survived or avoided Black Friday, you may have been drawn in by the allure of Cyber Monday or Giving Tuesday. It's easy to f allow marketers and expectation of family, friends, or a workplace to set the pace for Christmas, isn't it? And sometimes the simplicity and wonder of the message gets lost in that process. Think of it. I mean, you were, you were already busy with your regular job and school and responsibilities around your home, uh, children and sports and other activities, trying to get your home ready for winter, perhaps enjoying hunting right after Thanksgiving, and, and suddenly you add in more travel, more company, and friends and guests coming in, and shopping pressure, and more activity with parties and church activities. There's an awful lot going on during this Christmas season, isn't there? There's financial pressure. 
Someone wrote new words to walking in the winter wonderland to show what happens to many people in December and January. And I'm depending on you to sing with me. I'm not here to sing a solo. Okay, here we go. Later on we'll perspire as we stare at the fire and face so afraid the bills left unpaid walking in a winter wonderland. You can laugh because that's real, isn't it? <laughs> Or the lady who, after years of frustration, sent a note with her husband when he went Christmas shopping. He rather sheepishly handed it to the sales lady who read these words. Inasmuch as I am sick of returning black lace nightgowns off the shoulder blouses, and inasmuch as the bearer of this note seems to think I am exactly the same size as whatever sales lady happens to be waiting on him at the moment, I am closing the following statistics. Height, five foot three, weight, one, three, uh, 135 pounds, dress size 10, shoe size 7. I do not like the color purple, polka dots, sheer blouses, or open-toed shoes. Please do not sell him the most expensive article in the store since we do have to eat next week. Thank you. <laughs> Every one of us will face some kind of pressure during this season, won't we? So I'd like to focus on something that is supposed to be part, supposed to be part of the coming of Jesus, but can be missed in the middle of all of this activity. Peace. Isaiah the prophet painted a picture of peace for us in the 26th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. Isaiah chapter 26, verses 1 through 4. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. Do you notice that phrase, perfect peace, in verse 3? Depending on where you're at in your experience of life, when Isaiah mentions perfect peace, your first thought might be, oh, I wish... It's a theme of Christmas music. Silent Night is one of the most famous Christmas carols, and it, it encourages the Christ child to sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. First, because he is an unfailing God. He refers to God repeatedly in verses 3 and 4 because he wants us to understand that God is the source of our peace. He's an unfailing God. We know that because the Hebrew word translated God in these verses is the word Yahweh, which always emphasizes the covenant or promise-keeping character of God. I hope you all know this, but I'll say it again anyway, okay? God always keeps his promises. The number one picture of God is that he is a covenant keeper. No matter what Israel did and what we do, God is faithful. 
The Jewish people were constantly failing God. They were up and down and up and down and up and down. (laughs) When they had a good king, they usually worshipped God. But (laughs) when they had a bad king, they didn't worship God. In fact, they started worshipping idols. In spite of that, we see Yahweh, Jehovah, an unfailing God who never leaves us nor forsakes us. We see a God who is not fickle or moody or up and down. So Isaiah says, I want you to see that we serve an unfailing God. He also wants us to see another important quality of God. He is unchanging. And he uses the word in verse 4 to paint a picture. He says, trust in the Lord forever for the Lord. The Lord is the rock eternal. Rock is probably the most symbolic picture of our unchanging God that we can find. Stable, solid. The psalmist David used that image over and over to paint a picture of God's faithfulness and dependability. Isaiah says, if you want to have peace, don't. Focus on the temporal things of life. Now, we could easily do that during this Christmas season, couldn't we? I'm glad. I'm glad for the beautiful decorations, the giving spirit, the music, the parties, and so on, as I'm sure you are. But if that becomes your focus or my focus, we will lose peace in the process. Instead, focus on an unfailing, unchanging God as you celebrate, as you shop, as you decorate and travel and give gifts. Focusing on Him, your wonderful, unfailing, unchanging God, will cause you to receive an incredible amount of strength and peace. Don't let the marketers determine your focus. The source of your strength is God. I'd like to encourage you to do two things this season. First of all, to see God continually. During these days leading up to Christmas, if there's ever time that you can see him in society, it's in December. I realize there's a lot of commercial stuff happening, okay? But if you really keep your eyes open, you'll also see things that point to God, like Christmas cards and songs on the radio. They want to take them out of schools, and they want to take them out of view in our society, except at Christmas, okay? Look for those little signs every day that let you focus on it. It's something that you can even do on the run, and we're good at running during this season, aren't we? But as you're running, or as I was talking about getting up on the platform this morning, as you're shuffling, okay, anyway, they said that I could have a minute during the, the sermon bumper to get up here. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I should be able to make it up here in that time. As you're running, you can look and say, here he is. That reminds me of my Savior, my unfailing Christ. The next thing is a little harder because you don't do it on the run. Sit with him daily. I would encourage you to spend some time alone with the Lord and His Word each day. Take some time for reflection and meditation. Now, here's where I I, I believe we are robbed of peace more than in, in any other way during the Christmas rush. If the Christmas message is anything, my brothers and sisters, it is simple but profound. So visible and yet so mystical that we should wonder 
and ponder and reflect. Luke wrote some words I want you to catch in chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. And all who heard it wondered at all the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. They're great verses. (laughs) And they help us to focus on the essence of Christmas. There's wonder. There's treasure. And there is pondering. In fact, fact, let me challenge you to take those verses and ask yourself three questions. What do I wonder at? What do I treasure up? And what do I ponder over? Just block out some time each day and ask those three questions, okay? The truth of God becoming man causes you and me to wonder. God loving us so much that he would leave everything. Indescribable beauty and fellowship and love in heaven and become a tiny helpless infant so that you and I could have a relationship with God and have an indelible picture of God's love in our minds. If you know Jesus personally, you have wondered at that at some point. We'll stop and wonder again. And and don't you treasure in your heart the fact that he actually did that for you. We did that in communion a few moments ago. Not just grasp that truth intellectually, but come to know him personally. Christmas season is more than an, an event in history. It's something that happens in my heart and in yours. I know the Christ child. Because I put my trust in him as Savior. Do you? I know the God who became flesh personally. So you and I can ponder or think deeply about how we can hold this wonderful truth up so that more people can know it and find the same personal relationship with him. Let's not let the Christmas season steal away our time alone with God. We need him every day of our lives. So we seek to get to know him better and and better. And then when life gets crazy, we lean even harder on him. But the busyness of this season can steal our time with him right when we need and want to experience his peace. So the Lord is our source of peace and purpose in life. I'm not sure if uh, a teacher or your, your parents have ever said anything about peace, but usually someone, an adult or a person who's experiencing a peace deficit, we'll call it, okay, <laughs> in their view, will say something like, it would sure be nice to have a little peace around here. You've heard that, haven't you? <laughs> okay, probably from your parents. They usually are asking for Quiet voices, or as my daughter-in-law puts it, let's use our inside voices, kids. Our inside voices, not our outside voices. No fighting or bickering, you know. A peaceful atmosphere. So how broad is the peace that Isaiah is describing here? Is it something that people in a stressed-out society during a stressful season can experience? Absolutely. It begins with each individual 
but it is as wide as the promises of God himself. Notice verse 3 again. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast. Boy, we hear an awful lot during the Christmas season about peace for the world. But peace doesn't start with the world. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. Uh, Peace is something that is part of a relationship with Jesus. It starts with you and me, and, and then it begins to spread. Just take a moment now and turn to the person next to you or someone nearby and say, peace starts with you. Get it together. Go ahead, tell tell them. Tell them. (laughs) Yeah. Think about the peace we have with God. The peace with God starts with justification. When we accept God's offer of forgiveness through Jesus, he makes us completely just or right before God. That's why we call it justification. God makes us completely right through Jesus, and he does it in such a way that it completely satisfies his sense, his attribute of being perfectly just continually when all of mankind is less than perfectly just. We hear about verdicts on on television or in the news every day, and we wonder, you know, was justice done here? Well, God's sense of justice is perfect, and he sees all things. So when he renders a verdict, it is completely just. Romans 5.1, the Apostle Paul wrote, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's one kind of peace. When you put your trust in Jesus as Savior, God sees you as perfect That's the only way I'm ever perfect. (laughs) He sees you as perfect because of his son's death on the cross in your place. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you'll feel peaceful. Because there's a difference between having peace with God and having the peace of God. If feelings of peace were an automatic byproduct of knowing God, I wouldn't need to be up here talking about peace this morning, would I? Please don't answer. You might hurt my feelings, okay? Everyone who has put their complete trust in Jesus has peace with God. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. But you may not have the peace of God. And that's why some Christians are so full of stress. And others have nervous breakdowns or experience burnout. Peace with God is a position you have based on your trust in the promises of God's word. That's what you have the moment you are saved. There's an inner confidence that you are saved, which tells you that you are at peace with him. But the peace of God is a choice based on our will. Paul writes again in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and after you have made your request known to God in prayer, after you have decided not to be anxious about anything, then he says, the peace of God, 
which transcends all understanding. That simply means it doesn't make sense under the circumstances. We get that, right? That kind of peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, after I make a choice during the Christmas season to have the peace of God, I choose to not allow activities and parties and pressures and society and friends to put me in such a bind and allow my calendar to be so full that all I can do at the end of the day is to crash in bed for a few hours and get up the next morning and go through the same thing again. I have to make a choice to spend time with God this month, each day, which may mean when I I put in my calendar that I'm going to spend a certain amount of time with God, that I am also choosing to not spend time doing something else or even being with someone else. You and I make that choice. Finally, Isaiah tells us the secret of perfect peace, and there are uh, two things that will help us to understand, have, witness, and experience this kind of peace, okay? Okay. First of all, we must think on God. If you and I want to live a life at peace, then we must think on God. What did Isaiah write in verse 3? You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast. The word mind can also be translated with the word imagination. You will keep in perfect peace peace, him whose imagination is steadfast or focused on you. What gives us stress in life? Oh, how much time do you have, Clyde? (laughs) Okay. Our thought life, our imagination, they begin to add up the pressures of life. We we begin to think of all the things that we have got to do. Sometimes we, we blow them out of proportion. And that's why Paul tells us in another passage to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. He's saying, you've got to think about the right things. Let me give you two simple truths about your thought life that will help you to focus on God during the Christmas season. Number one is the fact that God knows your thoughts. In Psalm 139, verse 2, David told the Lord, You perceive my thoughts from afar. Let me ask you a question. Why do we sometimes act and think as if he doesn't know our thoughts? Second thing you should know, based on the truth of God's word, is that you can control your thoughts. There's a tendency for us to assume that, you know, thoughts just pop into our minds and there's no way to control them. And therefore, we assume I am the victim of my thought life, not according to God's word. One of the great passages of Scripture on this subject is Philippians 4.8. And I would add that uh, this great verse is one of the keys to unlocking the door of peace and getting rid of, getting rid of the stress in your life. Here's what Paul wrote. Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Folks, Paul wouldn't tell us to think on these kinds of things if it wasn't possible to control our thoughts. There are three steps. Number one, decide to think right. Make a decision today, friend. Decide to think on the right things. 
Have you ever heard somebody say something and then immediately follow it up by saying, oh, I didn't mean to say that. What they really meant to say was, I I didn't mean to let that slip out. We have to decide that we are going to think right. Decide that during the Christmas season that you're going to keep your mind at peace by keeping your mind focused on the Lord and the, the right things that He tells you to think on. Decide that during this hectic holiday season that you're not going to let the pressure of society make you cave in mentally, physically, spiritually, or emotionally. Secondly, decide what to think on. It's not enough to say, I'm going to think right. (laughs) You've got to replace bad thoughts with good thoughts. You've got to choose what you'll fill your mind and life with. Perhaps the three questions I mentioned earlier, you know, what do I wonder at? What do I treasure up? What do I ponder over? And thirdly, do what you think. That leads right into the third truth about our thought life, which is our thoughts precede and determine our action. Basically, we are the products of what we think about. I can control my feelings by my thought life because as I have the right focus, I begin to feel the right things. When life is out of focus, my feelings in life seem to bring too much pressure. All of us are going to have a full schedule this season, aren't we? What you focus on will determine whether you have stress during Christmas. Folks, we must think on Him. We must trust in Him. Once more in this tremendous passage from the prophecy of Isaiah, we read, you will keep in perfect peace. Why? Because He trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. Do you want peace during December? Think on Him and trust in Him. In fact, the more... We think on him. Is it not true the more we will trust in him? The people who have the most stress aren't always those who have the biggest problems. In fact, the stress you have in your life is not always proportionate to the problems and responsibilities you have to carry. I know people who have very little responsibility but lots of stress. And I know people who have a tremendous amount of responsibility but very little stress. The biggest reason for stress is allowing what you do to take priority over God, your time alone with Him, your worship, your fellowship. The Old Testament tells us about Daniel in a den of hungry lions. I would consider that kind of a stressful situation, wouldn't you? But it was the king who couldn't sleep. (laughs) And the closest thing he had to him was a house cat. He ran out in the morning and said, Daniel, Daniel, how are are you doing down there? He woke Daniel up. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? The guy who appeared to be in the safest place didn't sleep. The guy who is in mortal danger sleeps like a baby. Why? Because Daniel had absolute confidence and trust in God. One time the Apostle Paul was on a ship that was going down. Everybody on the ship is terrified. But Paul stood up and said, Take heart, men, for I believe in God. 
Paul's in a ship that's sinking. Daniel's in a lion's den. Both of them had their thoughts on God. And because of that, they had absolute trust in him. And the result was peace. Do you think either of these situations was more stressful than this Christmas season? And and I don't say that in the sense of trying to make you feel silly for mentioning your stress by comparison. You know, the old thing, uh, well, somebody always has it worse off than I do. I mean, I'm not trying to do that to you. God cares just as much about you as he did about Daniel and as he did about the Apostle Paul. And I didn't mention these dramatic examples to minimize whatever is causing anxiety in your life. No, my longing for you is to experience a stress-free, a stress-free, peaceful Christmas season, a stress-free life for that matter, full of peace and love and joy. You need that, and the people around you desperately need it. Several times we... We read from Isaiah 26 about having perfect peace by keeping our minds focused and trusting in the Lord. But back at the very beginning of this prophetic book, Isaiah gives us this astounding description of Jesus in chapter 9, verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. and He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what's the last part, folks? Prince of Peace. I can never get my mind around that verse, can you? I mean, that's astounding. It's the same Prince of Peace who told his disciples and us, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. The world's idea is, well, everybody just needs to get, to get, get along. Everyone needs to give in to my way of thinking and we'll be just fine. <laughs> Jesus is not like that. Not like that. My friend, the Savior who, who left heaven invites you, I invite you to a peace-filled season of joy and celebration by knowing and trusting in Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Let's bow in prayer. Oh, Lord, how grateful we are that you are the Prince of Peace. The mighty God that Isaiah challenged us under inspiration to focus on and trust in. Lord, I know that that there are troubled people in this room. And I don't know what that trouble is, Lord, or what their circumstance is, and I certainly don't mean to minimize that trouble at all. But I know that, Jesus, you have promised us peace in the midst of these storms of life that all of us face, whether it's a health challenge, a challenge in family relationships, uh, fellow workers, whatever it is, Jesus. You are there to give peace in the midst of that storm. Lord, I know that that we can't have the peace of God unless we have peace with God. You came and you gave your life so that our 
sin could be forgiven and covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in the midst of that relationship, Lord, to uh, focus our thoughts and our mind on you, Lord God, to bring these things to you in prayer, to stay, to stay our mind on you so that we can experience the peace of God. Lord, that's my hope and prayer for each and every one in this room, that they would know Jesus, first of all, and then that they would begin to experience his peace in overwhelming and wonderful ways. We trust you, Lord, for all of these blessings in the name that is above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's people said, amen.